Hello there, and welcome to 420 Blaze It, the podcast. I'm here with my two stoner bros, two lovers of the old Mary Jane, friends of yeah. the Green Weed Society. Yeah. It's my brothers from Stoner Mothers. Yep. Ma- Mateo, I just got arrested for an ounce in my pocket. Yeah. Dawkins. And mm-hmm. I've never smoked a reefer in my life, George Weedman. I just want to say, you know, living in, in a, a state where, where it has not been legalized, I uh, have to... Um, you would never do anything so naughty. It can't, can't <laughs> incriminate myself on, on air, you know, for something that's past the line of, uh, of, of legal enforcement. But, but anyways, um, yeah, unfortunately we have to record on 420. <laughs> yeah. 420 Blaze It Sons, welcome to the Dad and Sons show. How you doing? I'm remembering my favorite <laughs> game of 2014 now. What came out in 2014? A game called Game of the Year 420 Blaze It. Nice. Ooh, that was not a bad year. Dragon Age Inquisition, Middle Earth, Shadows of Mordor, Destiny, Dark Souls 2, Shovel Knight, Alien Isolation, Shovel Mario Knight. Kart 8. I think the first super hot. Titanfall, The Evil Within. Ooh. Bayonetta 2, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, good game. Smash Brothers for Wii U, for, for, yeah, for Wii U. Sunset Overdrive, good game. Yeah, good game. Shovel Knight, The Banner Saga, Watch Dogs, Halo the Master, wow, Halo the Master Chief Collection also came out that year. Man, that game has been out for a while now. It still feels so fresh. Well, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know if I would say came out. Do you remember the masterpiece that was Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes? That weird prologue we all had to buy. I, I really enjoyed Ground Zeroes. As did all Metal Gear fans. Yeah, it was such a strange thing, though. But it had more direction and and like pacing to it and the soundtrack i feel was better than than the stuff we heard in mgs5 when you're escaping from the helicopter and the, the music swells the the closer you get to the edge of the island and it was good stuff hearthstone came out that year too man that was a wow that was a, an addiction yeah that was, yeah mario got eight <laughs> ah, not bad not a bad year at all george fair play 2014 blaze it Blaze those games. Well, well, 2014, Game of the Year 420 Blaze It was my Game of the Year for 2014. <laughs> as, as I recall putting in the, the YouTube video for, for the internet. Just throwing it out there, Japan needs to legalize marijuana. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I don't, I don't know if that works. Yeah, Japan legalizing marijuana? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that a lot of parents would not be able to handle themselves. Like, like thinking, thinking of their kids, you know, being lazy. For some reason, when I think Japan, I don't think about parents Drugs. and kids. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, that's kind of... I can understand that. I can understand that. Well, isn't that like a, a big problem with, with the school pressure and, and like, like triggering people depression from high expectations? Oh, yeah. But you think, you know, if you, intri- if you introduce Mary Jane, a little bit of Mary Jane into those kids' lives, how the edge would be taken off. 
and they well, maybe the parents, maybe the parents, man, and maybe they, they pass the all their exams. And on on one <laughs> side of the coin, though, Japan already is well experienced with how to have a moment of tranquility in the middle of a busy urban city. They have that shit down to an art. Yes. They have the tourist vision of it. There's so many moments of placid nature worship that I could just as easily imagine it going either either ways. Like like legalization crippling society or legalization folding right into the like nature worshiping, take take hikes in the mountains, soak in the hawk spring kind of culture of Japan. Yeah, but that is a that is a very uh not normal side of Japan for most Japanese people, just because they have no time to do. It. Dude, do you know what would be great? Yeah, weed family chicken. Now that weed family chicky, just <laughs> I huck it I, up I, to I, me via an IV. Just those chunks of chicken with weed in them. Can you imagine those dudes <laughs> getting high? Oh my god, they're already happy. And and, and <laughs> there are cooking shows on YouTube about this, and I believe that might be a thing people can do. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Oh. oh, oh. You can do whatever you want with a little bit of weed oil, for sure. Absolutely. A little bit of THC. THC, however, not exactly illegal in Japan. You can get THC oil and you can get THC vapes. Really? Really? It's all it's all odd over here. It's not exactly strong, but yeah, it's... Uh, no, no, uh, CBD is not strong. THC is strong. Yeah, but like, even tone that down a bit. Because uh, Japan um, is supposed to be famous for having some of the most strict weed laws, but apparently it's like been legal as an oil. Like what? Well, THC. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Somebody pointed out to me today. Friend was like, Japan just rocks with whatever America rocks with, but the America it's rocking with is America from 1940. <laughs> like that America, that conservative democratic America, is what Japan has modeled itself after and never changed. Like it, it's not. The democracy of today, which, you know, we might think is under duress a little bit. But Japan is like conservative America in the 40s, straight up to Ronald Reagan. Now, that's our guy. That's our guy. We'll stick with that. And then it's never changed, which is why drugs, big no-no. I don't know, man. I I, I went to a a Japanese vegan restaurant here. I don't even know know that existed over here. Um, And... The lady came up, the sweetest, the sweetest older Japanese lady. Hi! I was just like, oh yeah, that's right, Japan. That's right, people are just so nice. And they're like so happy, like they act so happy to see you. They act like it's like... The land this of is not, sweet old people. It's like a haven in the, <laughs> in the midst of just, <laughs> just hateful people. <laughs> just wow. Hateful people. Yeah, man, the U.S. is not is not Japan, man. If 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 even back then, I don't know. You think people are nicer back then? I don't know about that, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, the people are definitely just not just uh, yeah. more passive. Was, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Not not to say Japan is is super nice, but I feel like the the legalization movement would really grind against that that culture of of social harmony that that they try so hard for. For as as popular as as American Western influences are, like that's still their their distinct thing. That's how you know you're in Japan when you're in a crowd full of people and you don't you can still hear yourself think, you know? 
Yeah. That is what I, I've always found that quite amazing. I remember particularly being in Osaka one day and just being like stopping for a minute and there's hundreds of people around me, cars and everything. And it was so silent and it's madness. Mm, I could really get used to that over yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. It was madness. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I kind of love it. Like you just walk around. And just Kyoto, I just get used to it. Super quiet. <laughs> Super, super quiet. I love it. Well, I don't want to uh, make you guys too jealous because we don't have a corona vaccine. So you guys can uh, at least have that one on us. You, you know what happens here? Let me tell you what happens here. I'll, I'll tell you like a little story. That's completely my fault. Okay. <laughs> so the, the moral of the story was the naughty American here was Matt. <laughs> let, me, let, me give you, let me give you a contact. Let me give you a contact. So I, I, I drove over here to California a few years ago. Something happened to my registration. Either someone took it <laughs> that I previously knew, or I um I misplaced it. Either way, I didn't have my registration. So when I went to go get my plate for California, they wouldn't give it to me, even though I showed proof that I owned the car. I went back to Georgia. They wouldn't give me my registration because I don't live there anymore. Right. You had to go all the way back to the other side of the continent. Yes, Fuck yes, yes. To, 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 get, okay. to get a print Bull. out of a, a expired Shit. registration. Right, yeah. Because after a year of trying, I could not get my registration in California just because I didn't have a copy of the paper. To be fair, that right? happens in Japan too. So if you moved from the bottom of Japan to the top of Japan, that would have happened as well. Okay. At the end of the day, at the end of the year, I did get the copy, but I didn't do it yet. So I was in a particularly interesting part of California <laughs> called Rancho, right? Right. Had my car parked. I wake up in the morning, I come out, and then I don't see my car. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it's street sweeping because here in California, they you know, they will like tow your shit if you're out there on, you know, Mondays or whatever like that when they're streeping the streets, which is like the most ridiculous fucking thing. I, I get it. You're trying to keep your streets clean, but it's just what the fuck? Where am I supposed to park? The parking is hell here. Like it's it's I hate it. I hate it so much. So so <laughs> so so was it stolen or towed? I or? thought so. Call the sheriff's office and. So they towed it. A police officer towed it. Okay, this is parallel parked. Okay. They would have to have seen my car, saw it, got the car, looked at my license plate in the middle of two cars, this parallel part, and said, that one right there has his registration for Georgia. Expired. I'm gonna tow that motherfucker. Tows my car, and in order to get my car, as we call the towing place. And if 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 anyone has dealt with the uh, towing places before, they're the worst people yeah. to ever exist. <laughs> they are they the think, leeches. Of they think that that everyone else is hilarious to them. Too. Yeah, they're like, they the laugh worst at you. people. And you think I'm joking? I'm not. I'm not. I've run into yeah. them. Every time You're I've not. run into them, they it's have true. always tried to steal, literally steal money, lie mm -hmm. to your face, 
and ask for more when you're done when they're done with the job. They're, they're the worst motherfuckers. I would, I would not be surprised if like that whole world, that whole industry is like how a lot of criminal money gets laundered. Because like to run a parking lot, y- you don't got to be there all day. No. And to enforce the rules of a parking lot, that seems like a job that would kind of attract thuggish types anyway. So I'm just, if, if I had a lot of... M- the generalization of it here. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I had a lot of money that I wanted to, to clean into, uh, into, into real usable money, I can report on my tax forms behind me. I think I would, you know, start a parking lot and a tow lot and a, and a towing company. And <laughs> that sounds like a pretty, pretty easy gig. Well, uh, there's nothing thuggish about this young lady. Not, not a young lady at all. I guess she was a thug because she had the worst attitude with me. Oh, no. So I was, uh, she's like, in order to get your car back, you're going to have to have a registration for California. I was like, all right, well, I need the registration that I am in my glove compartment. She's like, all right, give me your keys. And I was like, why do I have to give you my keys? She's like, fine, keep it. And I was just like, ma'am, I'm not giving you an attitude. And I was like, I'm not, why would I give you my keys? You're the towing person that is giving me an attitude on the phone and here. You're going to keep my keys. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm not going to give you my keys. I get, she's like, oh, I have to write everything that you take out the car. I'm like, fine. (laughs) I don't care. I like, I get the stuff. I'm being completely nice to her because I'm at the mercy. This is a smart way to. You know, she has the fuck upper around. hand in the relationship. Yes, yes. Uh, I get, I get the the registration that thank God I got from Georgia like a month or two ago, and happily got a uh, um, my registration. Well, I got a pr- uh, like a temporary license plate registration for thirty days, so I because ha- I had to take it out and do like an emissions test, a smog test, and all that type of stuff. To get like um, a permanent one. Oh, do we get to see his registration? Is Matt going to show his registration it, live it, on license camera? plate? So here, I'm holding a license plate. <laughs> <laughs> I have two now, two license plates. Yeah, it just came in the mail. One for California, one for Georgia, right? Yeah. For listeners at home, imagine Matt's head floating above a black background, <laughs> yes. uh, along with two giant glowing license plates. You know, with their glow in the dark paint on them uh, uh, hovering <laughs> next to him there's there's a ui almost it looks like uh, uh item boxes i can click on choose your driver <laughs> matt visual question mark yes or no would you choose california skin of matt or georgia skin of matt one is holding an orange uh, he just he just left he just <laughs> oh no he's back okay good good the other one is in my car it says it's super easy to learn <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those calculator tricks from back in the day. It spells boobies. Eight zero 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 eight. You're a b- mobile. Everyone's gonna know you by the b- tag. Hey, look, it's the b- man. Here he come. I say all that to say. <laughs> this is a very common thing to not get registered uh, because the DMV is super not helpful at all. I just happened to go to a different DMV that I've been Fuck going to, shit. and they actually helped me. I miss driving so much, but like, 
I did a really dumb, stupid thing where, so I, when I moved over to Japan, I got, I had what was called an international driver's permit. So I could drive for six months and then I'd have to get a Japanese license, thankfully, because I'm British and I drive on the correct side of the road, like Japanese people do, which is the left. We were able to translate my English license and I didn't have to take a test or anything. So you can just get a translation of your English license and then you get a Japanese license, but you get what's like called a green band, which is only valid for three years and then you have to get it updated. And there's like in Japan, you have like a green band, a blue band, a yellow band, and then a gold band. A gold band is like, you're like an expert driver, like literally like that karate belts or some shit, right? (laughs) But it does correlate to, you know, like your insurance premiums being super low, even though in Japan, they're super low anyway. I didn't know that you can just walk in and get it refreshed. I did not know this mm-hmm. after three years. And I was moving to Kyoto, which obviously is almost three years ago now, at the same time that it expired. And I checked and my English license had expired because those are only valid for 10 years and then you have to get a new license card. So my 10 years of driving was coming up and that license expired. So I panicked and I was like, fuck, I need to get my English license renewed before I go get my Japanese license. Not thinking that the two of them are completely irrelevant to each other. Once you have a Japanese license, you can just go get it renewed and it's irrelevant whether your English license is, because you're not driving in the UK, it doesn't matter. So I didn't get it renewed. I haven't got my English license renewed, which now three years later does mean that if I want to drive now, well, in the UK, I have to go back and I have to live there for three months and then get my license renewed. Thankfully, I don't have to take a test or anything. But in Japan, on the other hand, I now have to take the Japanese driving test. And that includes oh. the riding test and the Japanese driving test, which is notoriously difficult. Second to that is both of them are in Japanese. And I love driving. I love driving. And I just cannot find... I feel like it's an impossible task from now to be able to get my license when I could have just literally walked in and got it renewed. But now I'm fucked and I can't drive. And it really annoys me because driving is one of the great pleasures of life. It is. Uh, for me. So I'm very frustrated. You know, Kyoto's not a city I need to drive in, but what about the weekends? You know, you want yeah, to get out in the sun and, yeah. you know, drive and listen to podcasts and music and, and just be free. It was such a great thinking time when dry when I was driving before. Especially in Japan. I guess. Yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It's so fucking slow, so nobody ever crashes. Yeah. And you know, it's oh man, it's I'm really fucking fucked off that I didn't do it. And also the fact that it's not more lenient on the fact that foreigners, you know, don't know this shit. Who the fuck knows that they have to renew their license in three years? God damn it. <laughs> Did it? Say so on the license. Who knows? It's in Japanese. <laughs> it's in Moon There's got to be something, right? Well, it had a date, and I knew the date. But I, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm moving to Kyoto. Like, I moved to Kyoto maybe six months before it expired, and I knew I didn't need a car, so I wasn't that bothered about expired. I wasn't bothered about renewing it i thought that you could just go and renew it because i have an english license and i thought well once i renew my english license they will just retranslate it again because i mean what the fuck like you already did that once why would you not do that again turns out nope now you're like a japanese person and you get treated badly by your own <laughs> country and that test is it supposed to be really hard like in a gretzko they uh they really played it up pretty tough 
American people in Japan tend to complain about it because you guys drive on the incorrect side of the road. <laughs> so you have to take the test. I mean, I don't mm, when I was when I was scared as hell of the bus going its way up Mount Fuji around those blind left turns that But I think you'll find this interesting. Actually, some people depending on what state you come from can actually just get their license translated because in some states, they have pretty good driving records, and Japan is like, well, you know, like, I guess these guys in, you know, I don't know, North Dakota ain't crashing so much. We'll just translate their licenses. <laughs> but fuck those guys in New York, because those motherfuckers crashing all the time. So, I don't know. Oh, my God, that's so... Different strokes for different folks. It's very, very odd. I, I see the logic, but I see how totally wrong it is, too. I, I get it, but I wish I didn't. Yeah, it's uh, mad. So, well, for now, I'm not driving, and it's very depressing. I had a mild panic attack uh, about five minutes ago when I realized that we can't even joke about Matt's license plates on the internet in front of other people. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why are you guys saying it out loud? What's wrong with you people? I, I didn't think about <laughs> it until afterwards, but man, like, you really... You really can't. This is like the same week that Lindsay Ellis got in trouble for for. I was listening to her video yesterday. Yeah, a, an incredibly unfortunate interpretation of a word that di I oh you can't and you can't even joke about Matt's license plate either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. Well, l let this be a lesson. Like, don't be lazy. Okay. Less, I may yes. have flown. I I may have flown all the way to Georgia to get my license registration, but I didn't finish it. Okay, which makes me still lazy. Just <laughs> Google it at the very least and try and find out. Yes, it's like the spring cleaning of of document work. Get your, get your shit done, guys. I need to get my passport because <gasps> going oh to yeah, because we got to get out yeah, of here. Yeah, we, we all need to get our passport. We need to get out of here. I need to renew mine before July. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. the reminder. I keep My trying picture. to remind myself. Same story. I keep forgetting. It's going to be too late. They're going to deport me. It'll be fine. Yeah, my picture is when it <laughs> uh, looks like when I started YouTube. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> Who is oh, that? No. <laughs> you remember this, uh, uh, George? This is what, this is what yeah. the, 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 the Chinese people were looking at like, ah, oh, is this you? They <laughs> 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 were in Beijing. They're like, nah, I don't know. So you got to change if you're, if you're, picture is is not current because they should last long enough is it the expiration or, or do you have to get it's a new expiration. one just because you're bald now it's, it's my oh, okay, it's my okay. Expiration. but yeah um i need to i need to get and plus i, I kind of need to get a new one anyway because yeah i'm bald i look completely different this looks like a child i, I, I just this you know didn't know if like being bald in real life but being hairy on the passport means they think you're a terrorist at the checkpoint or something <laughs> Yeah, I don't want you want to. I want to try. Yeah, that flags the systems and and yeah. gets them to stamp your papers. Uh, we got a, a POC um, coming in bald now with a fake passport. Are we describing a hitman level? <laughs> oh wait, no, never mind. There seems to be three of him in the photo. I forgot that even though he is bald and suspicious, hitman is also the most 
the whitest person in the room at all times. Yes, he's like pasty white. He is he is painfully white. He he glares in the suns. Where is he supposedly meant to come from? I've always wanted is he like Danish or Scandinavian or something? Romania? But mm. but you know, he's supposed to have a, a shady backstory shrouded in Agent spooky mysteries. Dude, Hitman can't be black. Why not? He would not blend in. I mean, if he had a gun, the police it would just shoot him. Depends. Yeah. In Atlanta, <laughs> exactly. maybe. Exactly. Like he couldn't. He couldn't impersonate anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All those rich people are not like. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There's of course one role he could have done. You know, he could have blended in as the the butler and the the servants, of course. <laughs> Dude, I see a sea of whiteness every time I play that game. Just a sea of whiteness. Rich old white people in that manner in Hitman 3 are not going to notice a blind difference. Yeah. Oh, hello there. Get me my coat. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, ma'am, ma'am, I'm <laughs> ma'am. in a Hitman getup. Ma'am, please, please, please just follow me. <laughs> ma'am, my, my, I'm a Hitman. Do you, do you see this barcode? <laughs> ma'am, please. <laughs> One Dev Diary story I would absolutely love to hear are that these conversations, they had to have happened at some point when making this game. Oh, absolutely. How comically white do we need to make Agent 47? And like, should we actually put a mechanic in the game to get people to question him if he's like not the same color as, as the people he's disguising himself as? Like, they they had to have thought about that. At some point, they had to have. Yeah, like when he's in, you know, like Middle Eastern countries, like, for example, the first yeah, level he of like right Hitman 3, <laughs> when he kills like a serviceman who obviously is of like Middle Eastern descent, how the hell does that work? I think the implication is that Hitman is just Mr. International. He he has like the British accent. He 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 it's has imperial You think he charm. has a British accent? You think he has a British accent? Wait, that's not a British accent? I mean, not really. That's why I ask you if he's like Danish or Scandinavian or something. It's like Somebody who is not from Britain thinks a British accent could be. I, I guilty as charged, I guess. They fooled me. He has like a, a kind of Scandinavian, somebody who speaks very good English from like a Scandinavian country. That accent. It just feels like the attempt at making Agent 47 a blank slate that could fit into any situation has comically gone completely out of control at this point, And now Agent 47 is always the most conspicuous, the easiest to point out in a crowd, the sunlight's glaring off him in the room. It's the barcode that does it, right? It's like... It's like Sam Fisher's lights on his costume that no one ever just... No <laughs> one acknowledges it. Sir, 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 why do you have a tattoo of a barcode on your head? Don't ask. <laughs> Guys, have we played any games? Because we are way yes. in deep here. <laughs> Yes. What have um, we been doing? Un, I, I kind of, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to steal it from you guys because it's not a biggie. But So I, I haven't played anything. I've been super busy because I want to listen to you guys talk about your lovely weeks. But I did want to chime in and say, instead of playing games, I've been reading a book. Uh, that sounds peaceful and placid and like something to do in front of a, a mountain or a hot spring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were tweeting about this. Ask Iwata. Yes, I've been reading the Ask Iwata book. The uh, Words of Wisdom. The Words of Wisdom from Satoru Iwata, Nintendo's legendary CEO. It finally came last weekend. 
I do have the Japanese version of this that I bought last year when it actually came out in Japan originally. But yes, this is the translated version. It's an originally, it's edited by Hobonichi. Do you know who runs Hobonichi? No. No. Any, any video game trivia up in the house? It's ran by Shigesati Itoi, who is, of course, the director of Earthbound and Mother 3 and, of course, Earthbound Beginnings. So he was, of course, very good friends with Iwata-san. So it turns out Iwata-san used to write a lot for what is this media company in Japan called Hobonichi. Very, very famous. They have a store in Kyoto, uh, ran by Shigesati Itoi. He directed Earthbound, but he was a copywriter. So there were a lot of, like, basically it's a book of compilations of, like, articles that Iwata-san used to write for Hobonichi or different things. And, you know, you remember, like, the Ask Iwata series, like, you know, or Iwata Asks, the series, where Mm -hmm. he'd interview people who are, like, releasing games for Nintendo platforms, and they'd have really good deep dives, and it used to get translated into English sometimes. Well, it's kind of like excerpts from those things collated into a book that is chapter-based, but each one is kind of, you know, it's just, like, a topic and then a short page or paragraph about it. It's really nice. It's short. It's bite-sized. It's very sweet. It's kind of nicely presented. Look at the cute little cute little water sound on the front of it here. Um, But I've been reading through this and it's, you know, I think everybody who remembers Iwata-san and the Nintendo Directs at the time, you know, the man was beloved. He was, of course, he was a CEO, but everybody connected to him in some way because of the way he presented himself. You know, the fact that you could draw a, a cute little cartoon picture of the man like this and it still very resemble what his personality was like, I think is very telling. This book is actually really good if you are like a game developer in terms of like the leading the team aspect and directing games and stuff like that. I have another book called Directing Video Games 101, and it reminds me very much of that. It's about like designing video games is, of course, everything to do with the games. But there's so much outside of that, like regarding, you know, task delegation, respecting other people's skills, letting, you know, realizing when you there are things you just cannot handle and you have to trust in other people, how to do man management and all kinds of stuff in this that come from his perspective of running Nintendo and how he used to you know, interview employees, everybody in Nintendo twice a year to see how they're doing and like ask what Nintendo can do to improve their life. And, uh, you know, the questions he'd ask about, at you know, if someone was applying for Nintendo, it's really insightful. And I definitely do recommend it. I think it's a really, really good book. And of course, it has little tidbits about Nintendo in it as well. So most of the people who maybe don't work in video games who won't derive pleasure from that kind of aspect of it, you will at least get Nintendo tidbits and a little bit of a Wadasan's personality through here. Yeah, really, really good. I've been enjoying reading it. I'm about halfway through so far. Good shit. Are you doing the 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 reading for 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 work thing where you're like taking notes that you're gonna mm. want to reference later on? On a- I'm definitely I've definitely written a lot of post-it notes based on some stuff I tweeted yesterday about a passage in here that's about specifically task delegation. And like how you need to respect other people's skills that you can't do because it's so (laughs) easy in video games to meet people who are like directors or leaders who literally just do everything themselves because they don't trust their team. And that's why they fail. It's the only way to do a job, right? I cannot make pixel art or do music or anything. And, you know, part of my understanding of that is how to delegate my 
my failures into what other people's strengths are. And that's how you make better experiences, better games. And it's really insightful. And I found that really quite, you know, noteworthy to me. So I'm writing little post-it notes here and there of stuff that stands out to me. But yeah, it definitely reminds me of a book called Directing Video Games 101. I think I might have that. Yeah, I have that right here too. This one. Got to balance your skill points, kids. Yeah, Directing Video Games 101. This was written by a guy called Brian Elgier, who directed the Ratchet and Clank games, you know, and it's like basically 101 facts about, you know, stuff to do with video games. For example, number 49, cinematography basics. Number 38, the element of surprise. 82, the art of diplomacy. And 87, basic media training. Very useful stuff to know in bite-sized things. It very much reminds me of this book. Um, but, you know, it's Iwata-san, so it gives me little warm, feel fuzzy feelings. Remember him and remembering how Nintendo was not exactly successful in the eyes of the public regarding the Wii U and stuff during the Nintendo Direct era, because people forget there was no Nintendo Direct era for the Wii. It all started in the Wii U era and the DS, the 3DS era. And that's how we got to know him. And it's, you know, it's still very sad that it's been six years since he passed away. And it's easy to forget how bad the 3DS launch was, too. Yeah, it was not good. Um, you know, but still, Nintendo turned the most profit they ever did underneath him. He launched the GameCube. He launched the Wii, launched the Wii U, DS, 3DS. The man was loved, beloved. And this book is a very good, uh, you know, almost like a closing chapter upon what he could bring to the world. So, uh, yeah, if you're uh, interested in that, I would I would recommend it. It's not boring, which yeah, I did. I was I was afraid not, because it wasn't because it's not because it's not a biography about him and it's not like a factual thing. It's literally his writing from news articles or articles from years ago on like old blog sites and fanzines and stuff like that. So this. This is stuff he wrote like 10 to 15 to 20 years ago. And he was, of course, a corporate man. He he was a CEO. So a lot of it could be just you go in thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be the magic of Nintendo. But a lot of it is business, right? He's talking about interviewing people in jobs and like his techniques and stuff like that. So, yeah, take it with a pinch of salt. But I think it's still interesting. And I think, you know, you gleam a lot from what is the man or was the man. So, yeah. I recommend that. That's what I've been doing with my week. Now, Dozo, you guys, blow me away. What have you been doing? Uh, I finished next. You finished the best Pokemon game of all time, I hear. Gotta capture them. All of them. Gotta. Some of them. Battle them. Fight them. Do you capture them? What do you capture them in? Uh, traps. Nexo traps. Gotta trap 100% of them. That's mean. Yeah, it's mean. Yeah, so does does Nexomon address that, actually? G that's a good question, because Pokemon doesn't and probably never will. No. Well, I don't know. There was a, a, one of the storylines where, like, the, the Pokemon like fighting each other. Yeah. But yeah, like... well, how, how, does it, how does that work in, in, in Nexomon? I beat lots of games. Just, I'm just finishing it up. It's, it's good. It was, it, was a good. it was a good time. I'm not going to lie probably better it was a better way better experience than shield but do the nexomon want to fight each other do they do they love battling each other is that was that, is that just their natural way it wasn't a fleshed out conversation but it was a conversation it, it was a conversation and it it ended up having a, a solid ending as well which is uh 
Not hard to come. I'm not easy to come by these days. I've been learning to draw. That's pretty much what I've been. You have been. Much to our excitement. We saw your provocative sketchbook. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's just anatomy, my friend. That's just anatomy. Oh, 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 yes, yes. You know, I didn't want to say that word. Yeah, yeah I, gotta, I gotta draw all the fronts and the backs and stuff like that. Yeah, the thing is... Uh, there, there were some good backs. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you gotta find something that's, like, interesting to draw, right? And for me, if I'm gonna learn anatomy... <laughs> I yeah, learned the yeah. female anatomy first, and then I learned male male butt. Uh, that 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 tends to to be the thing, you know. Oh Gonna learn how to draw big dingdongs before anything else. It's not sexual, right? It's 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 artistic nudity that makes it okay. But for some reason, everyone really would rather draw the women than. But you have to you have to see male and and female nudity. I, I know you do both, but you know when you walk through through a gallery of famous artworks throughout history, it's definitely biased towards one of the two sexes. <laughs> Big ass David's penis. <laughs> David's the one with the sculpture, right? With the little the yeah, dingy dong. His little dingy dong. His little, little dingy dong. dong. <laughs> they, 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 they had little penises because they thought it made them smarter. <laughs> I, I'm not even bullshitting. That's really? Like, yeah, yeah. And the, the Greeks and the Romans, they, they prided themselves on their tiny dicks. <laughs> there are actual quotes that say as much. I, I shit you not. Well, I can't sculpt, so... You know, I mean, <laughs> so you don't got to worry about that problem. Let them say whatever they got to say. Make them feel better. No. <laughs> yeah, they had to feel better about themselves. That's <laughs> like, oh, can you scope? No, I can't. I can't. You got me there. You got me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's fun. It's fun. It, I mean, it's one of those things where I had to. It's something I've been wanting to learn for a long time. I've bought and sold Wacom tablets for years. Every time I buy it, I just never, I just never stuck with it. I was like, oh, I'm a draw. And I draw one day and I just get fed up. You know, you look at your drawing, you're just like, Ugh. <laughs> and you just throw it away. But like now I'm older and I have that passion to do it again. And I'm just like, I have the discipline. You have like a project. I have a project with a, with a vision and a plan. I have help as well. Having projects is just so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you it know is what so it should look fun. like, just, you know, yeah. it's a freestyling. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I what I've learned when learning to draw is that I need goals. I need, I can't just be like, I'm just going to randomly draw things. Like I can't, I feel like I'm not learning anything. I started learning something when I started drawing like the skeleton and like muscles and stuff like that and like learning anatomy and stuff like I feel like that's when I started to kind of like smooth curvy muscles feel yeah that's when I started to like get better just rippling up and down the page <laughs> drawing it over and over and over again yeah it gets more satisfying as you do it love the way light smoothly curves around a nice good muscle that's all it's very artistic i appreciate it artistically i would love to see your search history george i was no you wouldn't (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be that if, hard to find either. It would just, <laughs> it would just be gaming news, and then it just let's Well, well, no, I I did type in um way of the house husband read online. Ah, oh, I have watched a few episodes of that. So this is going to be interesting because Liam has seen the anime. The all anime. (laughs) And I have read the manga. You read the manga. I read a third of the manga. I got uh, 27 chapters in. Okay. I've watched the first three episodes of the Netflix series. I, I love reading the manga, I think, because it's so it goes so much faster and and you don't have Saturday morning cartoon voice acting. And um, wait, you miss out on like full on Yakuza voicing. Uh, yeah, that probably is fun. But, you know, I do have my imagination. My <laughs> and that's ultimately like the phenomenon is, is like whatever you're imagining is probably going to be cooler than reality out there in the world anyways yeah way of the house husband what, what, what do you think it's okay it's okay i think it's cute i think i think, it's, I think the premise is lovely there's a couple of different shows on manga like it now which i do want to highlight yes. sakamoto days sakamoto days is basically the same show but well, basically the same manga, but is way better. Way better. So if you do like this, George, I recommend Sakamoto Days, which is... I keep getting recommended things like this. It's yeah. to the point where it's absolutely a trend. Like, And the animation is the thing, too. In all three of these series I've been watching, they have dirt cheap animation for some reason. So that's the thing. So for anybody who doesn't know, Way of the House has been basically is a story. It's a comedy slice of life about a Yakuza who quits being a Yakuza so he can be a house husband in japan of course very rarely happens because it's a patriarchal society what a wacky situation what a crazy situation but what is funny about it is like there's a lot of situations where he's like cutting meat or or, like something goes wrong and he spills like red sauce all over the place and then then people (laughs) like step in and he's like covered in blood and it looks like he's been stabbed people like (laughs) it's really good and for those panels in the manga, the artist like will switch to a really, really intensely spooky style for his poses. Like That's there will very be cool. dark lines crossing, crossing across these shadows through his eye. His scar gets bigger when he's scaring people. So that's cool. But now I don't know about the manga, but with the anime, the one thing that massively disappointed me and you just hit upon it is it's really poor quality animation. And I don't mean that it's animated poorly. I actually mean it's not animated at all. It's still images like a comic book. They and they lean into it to make you it not feel so jarring. But they have very cheaply, and I don't know whether Corona was an influence in this or whatever because obviously it spun up pretty quickly last year. But it's really just like watching talking manga panels. It re- it doesn't really have any animation whatsoever, which was kind of disappointing. It's like watching a voiced comic book, which is fine if that was what its intention was. But of course, that's not. It's meant to be an anime, not much animation. It reminded me of the Thermai Romai anime and how jarring it was going from the manga to the anime for that one because the animation was incredibly cheap. In that one, it looked like you were playing a visual novel, like the characters' uh, portraits would pop up. They'd just move their mouse. Nothing else would move. Then another character would pop up, static background the whole while. 
Yeah. These these lower budgeted slice of life animes that seem to star male characters for some reason. I think this is background noise. You're you're meant to be chopping vegetables or playing Fortnite or doing your taxes. But you're but I'm watching it in Japanese. I don't want to do that. And it's like a manga essentially. You're reading it. Um but I don't know. I, uh, I feel like it's fine. I they it's the type of anime that lends itself to not really needing any action or, you know, animation, but they do have fight scenes in it. And it's always yeah. like, it's always like two keyframes, you know, like the, the stand up and then, and then the slap. Uh, I wrote a bullet point about that. Well, there you go. <laughs> like the fight scenes are hard to read. Even in the manga, you'll go from one panel to another without a good continuity between the two. Like one panel will set the fight up. And then the next panel later, you'll see, you'll see a ridiculous unexpected conclusion, like him blocking a knife attack with the, with the book. I thought it was a magazine from a convenience store. That was pretty cool because of the way it was drawn at the angle like it didn't look like it made sense when i was trying to interpret yeah that moment that moment for me i thought he was the guy who'd stabbed the other guy it's hard to tell with the way it's drawn it was really hard to tell it was really hard to tell in the anime as well it was like wait did he just stab that dude straight up and it was like (laughs) no he was he got stabbed. it is not it's not great i'll be honest Uh, it's not great it's not great. The other thing I've noticed about these is that they really, really kind of have maybe one or two jokes that get repeated. Saint Onisan, it was how chill Jesus and Buddha would be in ridiculous, crazy Japan scenarios. And in Termai Romai, it was about how uh, shocked the time traveling Roman art engineer was uh, at, at Japan. And in Way of the House Husband, it's like, ah, uh, how can he be a husband? He might be doing something really violent and spooky, but it's actually just tranquil domestic Japanese life situations. Uh, the family comes home to a grisly, horrible, gory crime scene with blood and guts all over the kitchen, and it turns out it was just the cat fighting the Roomba vacuum. It's the same joke every... I, okay, there's more more jokes than just that, but the, oh no, the violence actually turns out to not be violence joke seems a little thin for how wide yeah, they spread it. it it's, and it's not as interesting as other slice of life's regarding the fact that they can get away with doing whatever they want just because usually those slice of lives don't really have a strong core. This has a strong core in the fact that it is a Yakuza who now is a house husband, right? That's a pretty strong premise on itself. So they, they lean into it and they don't really go out too much. I like the episode where he looks after a kid. I think it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, they don't do stuff like Lucky Star, which is my favorite slice of life of all time. That literally is like every episode is different. Just the same characters. And the joke is different in each episode. And and Lucky Star kind of got surreal and weird. Every Lucky Star is amazing. Oh, and as Azumanga Dayo was almost like a David Lynch movie sometimes. <laughs> I did also make a point over how, despite the Yakuza theming, the idealization of Japan is is also... Uh, it makes me a little sad. I, it feels weird. There's, there's kind of this uncomfortable layer. It, it's very Stepford Wives-ish. Yeah, it's, it's Stepford Wives-ish. How perfect and tranquil and peaceful the, the versions of Japan shown in these things are, even when there's 
a clear accepted element of there being criminals and and potentially corrupt cops in the way of the house husbands universe it's still a very very picture perfect squeaky clean kind of non-critical textureless smooth soulless world they seem to be living in that i thought would would have a little bit more grit to it because of the yakuza theme uh yeah i mean i didn't really notice it to me it was very japanese <laughs> japan is this weird country and I, I mean we we've already spoken about japan today but like it is a weird country where those two things kind of combine quite frequently and you see sketchy what you assume would be sketchy dudes but the japanese equivalent of sketchy dudes is like you'd see them on a sunny day at the beach and you'd be like you you just wouldn't care it is not like oh my god i'm scared of these people or oh we should avoid these people it's literally just like they're there it happens it is intertwined into what japanese like quote perfect society is like but so i don't know when i watched it i was just like yeah that's japan all right that is very on the mark it is of course exaggerated though yeah i i just worry that this stuff blurs the lines with like the the that depressing side of the isake genre where it's about escaping from reality into a more perfect version where things make more sense because because in, in a similar format, like in all these slice of lices about quirky, cute men navigating Japan, it's they, they are outsiders. We're, we're following the perspective of an outsider navigating a world they're unfamiliar with rather than the, the locals gawking at their their antics. I mean, he's really good at being a house husband. It's not even like he's learning to do it. He's literally like legendary at it. He's like the perfect house husband almost. But he's still, it's, it's fish out of water comedy. Like, he looks out of place doing it, and that's why He looks out of place, but he, it's not like the, you know, the typical fish out of water learning curve. Like, from the start, of, like, the get-go, he's already learning. He is a house husband. It's like starting from that, and the only thing that can carry it, then, is that he is out of place. There isn't that learning curve. Like, he's not learning how to cook, and he's not learning how to wash dishes. He literally is, like, perfect. So it is kind of interesting that they do that. But yeah, I, 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 I wasn't blown away. No, me neither. I think I'll finish it because it is quite easy to watch. But yeah, I don't know. I was watching Invincible at the same sort of the same time as it. Yeah. And Invincible is like pretty fantastic. Yeah. So I'm probably just going to, if I have free time, I'm just probably going to watch that <laughs> instead. You know what else is fantastic? Dota. Dragon's Blood. Oh my god. They just god. announced season two, right? Yesterday. It's like really good. It's like really good. I I didn't expect it to be really good. The action is whew. But the story also is like kind of interesting and I don't know. No, it's just it's actually not not a bad watch at all. Do you need to know anything about Dota? No, no, no. I, I didn't even see similarities, but I don't play dota is this so. the, the the castlevania studio yes hopefully it's better than castlevania oof. yeah did it did it get castlevania get bad no i just i mean season two was pretty poor season, season three two stumbled. I, I don't i didn't even finish it so i only watched season one but that's getting a season four as well so but dota though well, that's interesting. It seems like a lot of people like the Dota one. People did not like the Dragon's Dogma one. You remember that came out as well recently? 
Yeah, like, I... not that long ago. Maybe six months ago. And people... People did, did he not like that? People did not like that at all. Really? I, I, had, I had to remind myself. Yeah. And, you know, it's so wacky that we even got a Dragon's Dogma TV show. Dragon's Dogma. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I see. Dota is not exactly something I would have expected to see get turned into a transmedia expanded universe at all. Yeah, me either. Oh, you, you know why Dragon's Dogma is shit? It's because it's fucking 3D. That's why it's shit. Wait, is Dota 2 not? No, it's not 3D. It's it's a oh. little bit of 3D, but it's not all 3D. Uh, well, what, what, what about the world building and the writing and the hey, characters? And, and, and hey, there are some good 3D animation. Baki, of course, and Kengan Astra, both brilliant. Attack on Titan is not good. 3D animation. <laughs> the new one. The new one is just oof. God, Jesus. Jesus. The dragon looks so rough in the trailer for Dragon's Dogma. Dude, I'm looking at it. It does not. I, I can't stand 3D, man. I can't stand the shit. Just reminds me of uh, Guts. What's Guts? What's oh, guts? Berserk. Yeah, Berserk. The, <laughs> yeah, the Dark but, Souls that, of anime. But that was just terrible. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I it's so terrible can, that you're laughing can, uncontrollably It's right just now. because <laughs> I, can never, I can never get the gif out of my head <laughs> of him, like, hopping out of the screen where he's, like, what, meant to be walking, but it's just basically a cardboard cat out of him going, <laughs> outside of it it's, it's so good i try to find it it's fucking amazing yes 3d can be done well i've seen it but no not all most 3d doesn't look good it just doesn't it looks too bubbly, bubbly. it's missing some some of that some of that uh hand-drawn like <laughs> roughness to it i think i think i found it just watch the way he pops oh out. Like he, it's just, oh it's God. somebody basically keyframing up and down as he like progressively a moves left popsicle around. stick. Yeah, like when you do. Up. Do you remember when you did like PowerPoint presentations in school and you would mm -hmm. like draw paths <laughs> for things to come on the screen and out? It's like, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so poorly animated. I would just oh. like. Love to see whatever's going on underneath the frame. <laughs> Nothing. There's just no movement. Exactly where he cuts off. It, well, it's just, just it's just the model, right? Bouncing up yeah. and down. His his legs are of course not moving. It's um <laughs> there's just no mo the the problem with it as well, what doesn't sell it is his arms don't move. When do you walk without your arms moving? The only thing that's moving is his head tilts a little bit. And then his mouth moves. Yeah, it moves down. They absolutely should take it to the next level and zoom the camera out and show his <laughs> legs not moving as he just bobbles up and down like an action figure. <laughs> he is just bobbling <laughs> up and down. Yeah. But who walks without their arms moving? Like, that's what isn't selling it. Like, who walks without their arms moving? Guts, apparently. Yeah, Guts is so strong, he can't even move his arms. That's how strong he is. The Dark Souls of Walking. That's how much Griffin fucked him over. Oh my yeah. god. It's oh bad. Oh my god. It's bad. Every time I think about the end of, of season one, it just makes me just cringe a little bit.
I still want to ask about the Dota Netflix original anime series. Like, like, what is what is the premise? What kind of characters do we follow? Because, like, Dota is a competitive multiplayer game. That's an environment where you usually have no story at all. But I do feel like there is potential for the match itself to get turned into a story. I think there is lore. I just, I just never got into it. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there would be lore, but I. Like, like, is it is it a, an epic adventure? There, I, what's the, what's the villain like? Is there a party of characters or just one? It's a party. Like the music, every everything, like it, it has its own thing. Like it's it's Dota is just a name. I feel like <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. People who who are master lore people for for Dota, but it's it just feels like its own thing. It doesn't seem like it's trying to ride the back of a video game. It is not what I expected at all. That's funny because I remember a lot of World of Warcraft assets in some of the earlier versions. I, I, this is why this surprises me so much. Is like the most I know about Dota was in, ex, in, in its extreme early days where it was still heavily weighed on the back of Warcraft. Like, yeah. So, so seeing it get spun off into its own thing to the point where there's now an anime series out of it really is actually throwing me for a loop here. Yo, <laughs> it's pretty fucking hype. <laughs> Yo, and, and, and that's, that's me watching Invincible every freaking week. So, like, those two are some of my favorites right now. Nice. Some of my favorites. Invincible, I watched the first three episodes of that as well. Oh, boy, that is oh a boy. surprise. I always, always like the reaction for the first episode. Yeah, holy you really crap. know what you're getting into when you finish that. First holy crap! <laughs> oh, okay. This is this is what this is about. Okay. Have you guys checked up on your your Nintendo Plus subscriptions lately? No, just been charging my fucking account with me not using it. Wait, I don't even have one. Well, I don't think you would need to reactivate it for Pac-Man '99. But Pac-Man oh, 99 is a little fun. Uh, right. Yeah, it's, it's been like a decent time waster for when I was doing my taxes over the past week. I think I might finally start exercising on the treadmill while playing my Switch again. And I, 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 there's an unlockable mode that might be able to give you some bot matches. But this would be a really fun exercise game, too. Pac-Man 99 is Pac-Man, but with strategy. You can strategically spawn in a snake trail of ghosts that you can eat really fast. And if you eat a lot of ghosts really fast, you build up a multiplier meter that like Tetris 99 will send a, a blast of obstacles over to other players. And I did get sucked into it. It tapped into the, the competitive spirit that comes out of me for a lot of these games. But it still does feel like there's a lot of situations where the randomness of the game will have you cornered by the ghosts in a, on a corner of the map versus Tetris 99, which I mean, was a competitive battle royale version of Tetris that made me extremely angry. But Tetris is the perfect game. So Tetris 99 was a version of the perfect game. And you know, as big and popular as Pac-Man was back in the day, I can't blame people for, for loving Pac-Man in the mid 80s when it was one of very few choices they had, but it's no Tetris. I watched some footage of it and I just could not follow. And it's the first one where I could not follow. I was just like, whoa. This is too much. I don't understand the rules of Pac-Man anyway. I've never played Pac-Man really. Balls, man. That's all you do is just eat balls. That's all I do every week anyway. And don't let don't let the ghosties touch you. It's just my it's my week, Matt. That's my week. Yeah. So it, it is surprisingly 
easy to decipher when your eyes are actually following where you last were following on the screen. It does look like a clusterfuck when zoomed out. You know, like Bayonetta. Bayonetta's fine to play, but when you look at footage of it, it looks like a mess. Yeah, the, the strategic layer of Pac-Man that... What you gotta do to make Pac-Man click for you is um try to eat the ghosts like really fast one after another where do you time it up with the balls and this one really like like focuses on that mechanic as your primary means of surviving a battle royale against other players and it does get a lot more interesting than i don't know i was about to say than pac-man has any right to be but pac-man has had a lot of interesting revisions made over the years like i i got into the pac-man championship edition on the xbox 360 for a little while back when that was a big deal i i get surprisingly surprisingly into pac-man every every few years i thought um you played on the same map with everybody else oh that would have been so cool uh you see their shadows as less and less players are left do you send ghosts to other players when you get your numbers really high yes you can send like a wave of ghosts at them Okay. Is, is the way it works. And then if you eat a pellet, it turns them blue. So then you can eat the ghost right back and build your multiplier and send it back. Oh, you can send all the KKK members to your other friends. They're, they're, they're multicolored. Mm. Oh, that must be satisfying. All the eating all the, the ghosts like that when they get mm. after. Yeah, images. it feels good. Feels good. I didn't really play Mario 35 and that would have been the one that would have got I me. So that one. this is not gonna be the one either but i like now that nintendo are doing this so i'm interested to see what they do next what series will they tackle next i would think a uh 99 player battle royale balloon fight might be really interesting like maybe you can jump from screen to screen in and out of i each recently sessions. played balloon fight at a friend's place balloon and, fight holds up and i enjoyed it but it is fucking hard and controls like dog shit but it, it is controls fun. like nothing else out there it's it's fine also ice climbers ice climbers as well i would argue ice climbers is even more fun but does control even more like dog shit um very very fun so maybe ice climbers okay what about joust because because joust is basically balloon fight without the tappy button stuff going on as much not joust 99 what about mario kart 99? oh that's inevitable anyway we all know that's gonna happen one of these years let's do that let's 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 do that but you're not on a course with 99 people you're on a course with some sort of ai and you can like get the boxes and hit the ai and if you hit the ai that correlates to hitting one of the players that would be interesting I don't know, though. I feel like Mario Kart is so famous for its intense direct competition from one player to the next that that would just make a lot of people mad. Because, you know, games got to be what you expect them to be. You know, Otherwise, you yeah. be a mad gamer about it. What else? Um, could you do a Zelda 99 and, and some form of Zelda where you race to through dungeons and you fuck each other over put blocks in everyone's put way blocks in, and enemies in people's way and you get items before other people yeah yeah this seems like a a, a new step for their like nes remix style i imagine they'll do a donkey kong 99 as well like the barrels and everything like a Jumpman 99 at some point there certainly is room for exploration here and tetris 99 as angry as that game made me 
I I really got sucked in and and I I I was very 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 compelled with that thing for a few a few weeks. It's a very good game. I guess now we can talk about another very very good game. So I love this story as much as I hate this story and as much as I hate I'll hate talking about this story. I'm going to love talking about the story at the same time. They are making a Resident Evil 4 VR version from the little bit of gameplay footage that's been shown. It looks real satisfying. They're they're doing you from a first person perspective. You you reload the gun. The zombies are going to be real slow and easy to shoot and fun to fuck around with, I'm sure. There's like puzzles where you turn cranks with your hands. You can type on the typewriter with your hand. But, but... It's exclusive to the uh, Facebook Oculus Quest 2. Eh. Uh, For now, as far as we know. I am going to play the shit out of this. Yeah, I'll play it on a friend's headset. Matt, you can bring it to Japan. I'll play it in Japan. I am going to play the ever-loving shit out of this. If there is ever a game I wanted to be a VR game, it is this. Yeah, this seems like a, a killer app almost. Like for that the certain target demo of millennials who grew up on various versions of Resident Evil 4 who now have money for VR headsets, this is their game. If they get it right, think about how good it could be. Like if they get it right, think about how good it like somewhere between Half-Life Alex and a good first person shooter in VR. Like that is what this game could be, but it's Resident Evil 4, one of the best fucking games of all time. I am hands down in. And it works because it used to be tank controls, right? So you're already slow. Yeah, so you're real slow yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. And you had yeah. to you had to put your gun away to move. So it makes a lot of sense if the player has to put the gun away to like teleport forward or whatever. It it kind of lends itself quite nicely to this. I wonder and I just can't help but have my imagination go wild, like picturing what El Gigante is going to look like or the giant robot statue that shoots lasers. Dude, getting to fight fucking tiny ass Napoleon, like when his giant form is going to be amazing, like his little robot. Oh, my God. Yes. And the minecart roller coasters. Dude, it's going to be so when I saw that. And then, of course, that it's not just some shitty like conversion. They actually have like. VR based stuff like puzzles for VR as well. Yes, come on. This is what I want. I'm going to play this. This is going to make me play VR. Hell yeah. yeah. But it's exclusive to the Oculus. I, I just want to see the homeless guy, you know, what are you buying? As he what opens, you up, buying, his, opens his trench coat and yeah. shows us his, uh, his goodies. It's always so interesting to see where your most interesting point of view is in a VR game versus a, a regular game because it it throws your eyes at different parts of the scenery. And I never would have thought about it before, but it might actually be really fun to zoom in on his pockets and see what's in there. That's something I wouldn't have even thought about in the oh, in the regular up, game. Huh? Yeah, zoom up on yeah. His, uh, that's what you pockets. and VR games are about immersion, environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, Half-Life Alex has every little crumb on the table rendered. You 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 gotta zoom into all that or else you're playing the game wrong. <laughs> what are you buying in VR, stranger? I'm looking forward. It's gonna you be You can good. just grab it from his trench coat. Yeah, oh I'm sorry. For 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 the listeners at home, Liam just grabbed the webcam as if he was stealing ammo from a 
shady gun oh, dealer's wait, pocket. Sorry, before you shit all over the fact that it's an exclusive, uh, which is fine. Um, I wanted to know in the trailer, one of the best parts of Resident Evil 4, the Tetris-like minigame that is the inventory system. <laughs> You do it in VR and you actually get to place the weapons and stuff in the freaking cachet. It's amazing. It's going to be so dope. That is such a good idea. Leaning into what is already a fantastic inventory system into an even better one. I'm really all for that. It's good shit. Go ahead, George. I, I, yeah, no, I am going to shit all over it being a, an Oculus Quest exclusive because, you know, also Facebook requirement. Take that money. Take that Facebook money. Oculus paid for this, of course. Exclusives yeah. <laughs> in this day and age do not tend to last forever. Uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't say that about VR exclusives in particular. But we're, we're, we live in an age where there's so much parity between all the platforms and big name exclusives seem to keep coming out on everything after a year anyway, that as excited as I am, I'm really not offended at the idea of waiting a year or a year and a half to see what'll happen. And until then, I do have some friends of mine with an Oculus Quest, such as Matt over here, and I can uh, sample the product that way. He lives the other side of the country. <laughs> Has already. Me and Liam just leave George to play Resident Evil before we go out to the bar. <laughs> yeah, you do yeah. your thing, man. You come all the way to Japan to play Resident Evil Four. I get it. George, George is gonna get lost, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is so good, <laughs> so good, man." <laughs> George, George just says, "If I look. end up wanting to buy one after playing this, then you're allowed to drown me or something. I don't know, but we won't. We can't live with that." <laughs> It's it's three hundred dollars <laughs> um, compared to how much did we pay before? We paid a lot of money before, like eight hundred dollars. Like what was the vibe when it came out? Seven hundred. Yeah, TOVG. I had three sensors. Yeah, exclusives are bullshit though. It's what makes the games industry go around, George. These games wouldn't exist otherwise. Oculus will have gone to Capcom and said, "Hey, you know that game everyone likes? Now, if we give you some money." And then you can make it. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. And then we wouldn't be talking about it. And we wouldn't eventually, well, you wouldn't eventually have fun on a different platform. It is the ecosystem with which the business works. Get over it. Facebook got that money to throw around, man. I don't like Facebook. Nobody likes Facebook. Let that studio get paid, man. Leave, leave the studio alone. Let that studio get paid to make Resident Evil 4 VR. I've never beat that game. I've always watched someone beat that game. And I would I, that I game will 17 times. I, I've watched it so many times. Everyone loves it. Every friend I had played it. You know? So I look forward to actually doing it myself. I always remember um the freezer scene where you have to shoot the little bugs. So like and you had to, I think you had to put on the goggles to see the little bugs or something oh, like that. You had to use the sniper scope with the yeah. heat thing and shoot the bugs inside of the, like, the, the fucking, I can't remember, the, the, and they jump out of the fridge, at the cooker or whatever, are you in that, uh, on the I island. Wanna, I want to see how that those feels like in VR. I want to oh, see how God. that feels like in VR, for sure. Oh, God. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. 
It'll be worth it, George. Look, we're all selling our souls. But you can't just be anyway. like, get over it. I mean, that's a little extreme, my dude. <laughs> Console exclusives are something that have been a, an inconvenience sold for the sake of, of making up for lost profits of a piece of hardware that is sold for loss by design so that they can make it back by selling games attached to it. It's not there for you. Every now and then there's there's examples of games that make use of the technology, but as history goes on and more devices get consolidated into fewer ones, it makes me laugh that you don't think about the fact that almost 80 to 90% of these projects would not exist without exclusivity being a thing. So you would have less games, especially smaller indie games, if this this type of funding model didn't exist. It's not perfect. It sucks if you don't own those platforms. But somebody who owns an Oculus Quest right now is going to be excited by it and not give a shit whether you own a PS VR set or a Vive or whatever, right? They couldn't care less. The product they bought has a game on it. And it's because the company with which, of course, is selling products. It's a business. All of this is a business still. But these projects would not exist without this funding. The funding has to come from somewhere. And the sweetening of the deal to get that money then is unfortunately selling the soul of exclusivity right thankfully with stuff like game pass and things these days there are more funding options that necessarily mean there is more of a balanced economy to the games industry and that is really being generous but i can guarantee you there are so many games you haven't heard about because they never got through the funding phase of going through exclusivity and that was the only option and that kind of sucks but if we do get to play something like if Facebook want to spend their dirty ass money giving Capcom money to make a VR project that is Resident Evil 4 that we do enjoy, I don't really care. Devs got paid. Capcom got to make VR Resident Evil 4, which sounds fun. Facebook are going to do what Facebook do anyway, which is fucking annoying and ruins everything for everybody. You know, maybe maybe it's a little more sensitive for 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 the people who get paid. I don't know how like you're talking at me who gets paid through exclusives for their job. It's like you. Let's be honest. We are all on a podcast network, right? We are on Nebula podcast. We have certain funding through Nebula. Why are we with Nebula? Why do we offer specific things to a podcast network that we don't offer to other networks? Because we are funded in certain ways by that network. It is exactly the same thing, right? No, and you're they just hook us up with advertisements and not having those ads. It costs less than a sandwich. It's like $3. Anyone can still listen to the show on any device they want. The hardware has nothing to do with it. It's not the same funding model. The, our funding model is crowdfunding. Yes, it is, which is great. And that would be amazing if, and if crowdfunding worked in video games, and if there was any way where you could make what the actual cost of video games through crowdfunding, that would be perfect. It would be a perfect world, but we don't. And we're talking about people's jobs, right? Like it's, it's, I feel weird when people pick such bones with something that kind of is irrelevant to them you either have an Xbox or a PS4 or, or whatever, right? But we, when you literally are saying, well, that funding shouldn't exist, that's people's jobs and people's salaries and people make those games and that, you know, they get paid to do that. So it's kind of a bit of like a blase statement to be like, well, exclusives are bad. No, it, there is another side to that coin where this person's project, this person who 
funded a studio of 10 people for four years, created a really great game, only existed because, for example, Microsoft came in with Game Pass money and were like, hey, we'll give you $250,000 if you make a game for Game Pass and only Game Pass. We'll talk about other exclusives later. Like you said, more than likely, Resident Evil 4 will come to a different platform after a series of exclusivity. That is the price they pay for the paying the development. That is other sides to this coin. Let me give you a, a, an example, George. Let's say um, a couple of years from now, I make a good animation, the original story and everything like that. And then fucking Toonami comes up to me, right? Toonami doesn't exist anymore. I don't think, at least I don't think it does. And says, hey, Cartoon Network would love to make this a full show. Oh, and then it might be on their their ten dollar exclusive service, not their yes. four hundred dollar piece of plastic exactly. you put under the TV. Do you think I'm going to take that? There is a different line the consumers crossing to make an exclusive <laughs> of a video game versus other electronic artistic mediums. Well, you have to buy a TV to watch. You, you it. could like, play the game on a projector I, if you want. You don't have to buy a proprietary TV. Buying the proprietary software to run that hardware to run something is irrelevant to whether the software was paid via an exclusive, as is Game Pass, where you pay $10 a month for Game Pass, but you have to buy an Xbox or a PC to experience that. So same as Cartoon Network, yeah, in, my, in Matt's example, you'd have to buy a TV to even consume that. Or a phone, or a tablet. You have to buy a TV to play a video game. That's a different part of the daisy chain of companies you're supporting for these purchases. One big thing that is drastically different about video games and why this is such an issue is the high price tag of those platforms. The Oculus Quest is $300, and frankly, that is past the point of a lot of people who are listening to the show right now for something they can throw away on one game. Like, that is a way bigger ask than if you try to compare this. this the situation of funding a cool project off of exclusive de exclusive deal with an exclusive publisher versus a ten dollar streaming service. N Nebula is five dollars a month. That is that is not comparable. That, and whatever TV you watch it on doesn't even matter. It's not it's not comparable to a three hundred dollar video game console at all. You're talking about VR, George. Someone has to have a VR headset, and Oculus is the cheapest one. It's literally the cheapest one. You have to. Make it any other exclusive? Yeah, imagine Valve picking this shit up. You what? You gonna buy in 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 a fucking index? Fuck that shit. No one's gonna spend a thousand dollars to play Valve anything. Valve doesn't believe in exclusives. Uh, well, <laughs> Half Life Alex oh, is an exclusive. You can play it on the Oculus headsets. They designed it to be played on the competitor's hardware. Th there's even a Linux version. Dota? How you play Dota? <laughs> how do you play Dota, George? <laughs> on any PC that runs it. Video games are in this weird medium where they can both be the most accessible thing in the world through free video games on platforms like mobile, which is something you're going to own probably anyway, with more, let's use a horrible word, like boutique stuff, like VR, which is a person choosing to invest in technology that not necessarily is uh, needed and those types of people, at, oh, currently at the price point it exists at, which is like $300, the price of a standard video game console um, for the most part, um, is like buying a boutique item similar to furniture or such. I'm kind of at a loss what the point is about why that would factor in anything to do with then Oculus funding projects for said software. What would be worse would be 
buying that and then not having anything to play. I understand that exclusives kind of suck, right? Like, you know, if you've been looking forward to the next, I personally don't like the fact that Final Fantasy VII, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remix DLC is now a PS5 exclusive when I played it on PS4. Well, why have they done that? Of course, to push more PS5s that do not exist at the moment for people to buy, but that creates more of the demand that the PS5 already is under because people who want to play that game can now only play the Yuffie DLC on the PS5. Kind of sucks, right? But there are so many other sides and cases where funding, especially in revenue streams now like Game Pass and Oculus, who are funding indie developers at the same time, where these projects would not exist and this funding for developers would not exist either. So it's kind of a hard flip of the coin. Capcom probably could have made it and paid for it themselves. They're a huge yeah, conglomerate company. I really don't see how they would have made more money making this game for a platform that a less amount of customers are going to be able to buy it on by default. But that's the point. Capcom wouldn't have made it because there's no profit line for it. The user install base for all of VR is like something like 5 million. That's not, that is factoring in every piece of VR. So if you, for example, were on every platform and you sold to every single person, even then that Resident Evil 4 copy sells only 5 million total, which is what Monster Hunter Rise did in a weekend. So why would they, why would they do that? Why would they put their development like costs or anything into making a boutique version of Resident Evil 4 for VR? unless they had someone to pay it. One other damning aspect of this deal is that the other Oculus sets are not included. It's just the Quest 2. And so, like, PC hardware that's perfectly capable of playing this thing and also playing this thing on other platforms, then, if they released a PC version, would be able to sidestep this problem altogether and they'd still get their Oculus Facebook money. So I would be willing to hazard a guess. It actually is also for the Quest and Rift as well. It's just that in Oculus's marketing, they are purposely not using any of those words because they only want you to buy the Quest 2. And that's kind of why I want to wait and see, because a lot of exclusivity deals turn out to be bullshit anyway as time goes on. Yes, it definitely is always mostly that big splash of like, you can only play it on etc etc and then after six months you're playing it on psvr anyway right you are paying money for to avoid fear of missing out exclusivity deals are there to turn a 60 dollars video game purchase into a 360 dollars video game plus console purchase it's it is it is a worse deal like wait wait to see if it comes out on anything else if it comes out on like on the rift sets as opposed to the quest then that means it opens up to everything through revive and yeah at that point it, it's not something we'd have to worry about it's just the quest is suspicious it's, it's, it's extra douchey you know i mean we don't need to go on this but like they're not exactly trying to draw you away from other platforms they are looking at users who maybe don't have vr already and are just asking you the person who doesn't have vr so equating you have no way to play resident evil 4 that if you choose to play resident evil 4 the platform you will purchase will be an oculus quest 2 right they're not asking you, the PSVR user or the Vive user or, or whatever, to switch over because they know that's unrealistic. They will be trying to corner a market where they're looking to people who don't own VR already and get them to purchase the Oculus Quest 2 by having that line of exclusivity because you might have people who say, oh, 
I've been interested in VR for a long time. I've never taken the plunge. Like now is the time I want to do it because I really like Resident Evil 4. I'm going to purchase an Oculus Quest 2. They're the people they're going to be targeting. That's what exclusivity really does. It doesn't, if you put God of War on PlayStation 4, you don't suddenly get like a swath of Xbox users who buy a PS4, right? You'll just get people who do not own either of the consoles who will then purchase a PS4 instead of an Xbox. I understand why exclusives can be frustrating, but at the same time, it's not like they're trying to like squeeze your money out of you six months early or or, or pull the wool over your eyes. It just is a thing. So if you don't have any VR headset and you want to play Resident Evil 4, then the way to play it would be to buy a Quest 2 or a Rift or a Quest, I guess, secondhand or whatever you want to do. We'll see in the coming weeks. Yeah, the only way to play um, <clears throat> Liam's game Scrappers is to have an Apple. That Apple is true. Phone. But for uh, how long? You, you got <laughs> so the next phone purchase. You gotta get an Apple phone. I gotta, mean, gotta, gotta go. get it. If that gotta is, get the- <laughs> I'm not buying an Apple phone. I'm not buying an Oculus VR. I'll steal an Oculus VR Quest. I will receive one as a gift, but I will not pay money for it. Literally, I just want to use that as the bottom line ending for my argument, which is I would not have been given a job. I would not have been given a chance to direct a video game. I wouldn't have spent a year getting paid making a video game, which is my dream, if Apple did not front funding for that project. Yeah. So that is the reality of what exclusives, exclusivity money can do. And like, I'm sure you don't want to take my job away from me because it inconveniences you that you have to think about buying an iPhone. We can can absolutely have both. We can have me waiting a year for exclusives to come out on other things that are still making people money and paying their jobs for now. No one's forcing and, you to get the, the console, that, George. But th- that is the world we live in right now. Well, I'm getting forced <laughs> to get over it, I guess. Yes, you are getting forced <laughs> to get over it. Get the fuck over it. This has been going on for years, man. <laughs> this has been going on for years. There's fine. so many games you have not played that you what do you have both consoles? Do you have a do you have a PS5 right now? No, I have a PS4. Are, are you missing out on PS5? Are you, did you play what Demon's games? Souls yet? I played the PS3 version a year ago. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same one. But yes, you're waiting, right? Like, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. I know what happens at the end of Demon's Souls. Yeah, the PS5 is going to get really cheap later. The library's not good right now. And I it, it seems so petty and useless and... And trivial and commercial and you are saying this stuff while at the same time your favorite of the current big three console manufacturers is the one that has taken steps to break down these barriers. Like I'm supposed to get over it, but the industry is moving past it. I like that I have a Series X. I'm just, I'm not trying to throw a fire on the flame. I, I, I do like that I have it. The thing, I don't <laughs> under, I have no temptation <laughs> really. I don't even think about it. Well, how is this a mark against me? It's not that. It's that you complain about it when you, you're not the target audience. It's no. like an old man complaining about rap music because he's yeah. not the target audience. <laughs> yes. That's what it comes off as. It's like, yeah. I yeah. don't like this thing, but I wouldn't buy that thing anyway. So therefore, my opinion is literally null and void because 
it's only about people who own an Oculus Quest, whether this matters or not, or people who are interested. I should be the target audience. I am <laughs> I am a the 30-something-year-old male who grew up playing Resident Evil 4, who's a VR enthusiast. I want to buy this. Oops, there's something blocking me. No, but you, you are, and the market research will show that you are probably right. But you also didn't take the step into VR, which was the one that was the wireless version of VR, the next step of VR, right? You didn't, you haven't taken that step. You are not the VR enthusiast of the future, unfortunately. So therefore, until you a, are on that that's bandwagon. A valid point. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a valid point. <laughs> you're, you're in the stone ages with the, the big old hunky uh, <laughs> $1,000. So because I'm, I'm, I did not start with the Oculus or become an Oculus fan, I'm not in their target market research demographic of 25 to 30 year old males who grew up with Resident Evil 4 on GameCube. And you might get a better version of Resident Evil 4 when it comes out on your platform eventually anyway, because it is known the Quest is underpowered compared to those other headsets. So you might be getting the optimal version when it eventually comes out. So there you go. There might be some positive. Well, if it's on your PC, then it's going to be the same version. Isn't that what I'm always trying to say is to like wait and buy games when they're cheaper and have good mods out and they're all patched up and don't disagree. But that's not what exclusives have anything to do with. That's not what developers want people to do, no. Dude, if I owned a bread store and you were buying my bread and paying me six months later, what, do you think I'm going to still be in business when you're buying, paying for my bread six months later? <laughs> like, it's still a business, George. Of course, of course, anybody who makes games will want people to buy them day one at full price because it's a business. Like it's a business. Every two months, we're gonna we're gonna have this argument about exclusives and 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 developers. And are we gonna are we, like it takes up twenty minutes of the podcast talking about bullshit that we've talked about two months ago? I love you, George. <laughs> Cut all this shit out, George. Cut it all out. Cut it. Cut all this shit out. No one wants to listen to this. Oh my shit. god. We had Matt make a George scream, but that it's gotten that bad. <laughs> You're like, did, did they argue about this before? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. 100%. People are listening like it's Groundhog Day. And it used to just be Liam and George. <laughs> I'm getting in there and be like, hey. That's it. Hey. People are like, it's finally time. <laughs> the, it's like it's like a WWE ring announcement. Oh, my God. Is that Matt? And he runs into the ring. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely perfectly aware that console exclusives exist to make games that would not get made otherwise because the profit system is not there to make those sorts of projects easily profitable. I think considering how many times we've had to have this conversation, it is a case of like, what are you willing to see change? Games are so expensive to make that if the experiences you want require that amount of money, then you have to sort of let go on how that money gets given. It has gotten a lot better in recent years. Like, yes, like with the 7th gen switching over to the x86 architecture, there always is kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to exclusives like this at this point. If it's real, though, it's still just really scummy. Like, the P PSVR version of Resident Evil 7 is fantastic. And they still haven't, haven't put that on anything else. And I just, I, I hate thinking that a lot of people are going to be missing out on that. They've already set the precedent that they 
don't see enough value in VR games to be porting them around other platforms like you're assuming. The game also looks like shit. It's on PlayStation 4, and, and the texture resolution is drastically lower than the way that game's meant to be seen. Because I think the VR for that was an afterthought. Not according to the dev diaries and the GDC conferences. Mm. They, they said it was pitched from the ground up to have both a VR and a traditional mode. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think they were pulling people's legs in that one. Yeah, the game industry people do that a lot. Uh, let's move on to listener questions. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> Adam Rostin. What's... Oh my god, I forgot this was the actual topic we're gonna get into is more deceptive marketing bullshit. Adam Rostin says, Hey dads, what's your favorite CG cinematic hype machine Paul marketing trailer that looks nothing like the actual game, but still got you excited or moved the needle beyond indifference at the very least? I have a strong attachment to the Transformers Fall of Cybertron cinematic as well as the Dead Space 3 cinematic for introducing me to Phil Collins. Keep up the okay podcasting. <laughs> so he's talking about bull shots then, yeah? He's talking about uh, bull shots. I, I think he's talking about cinematic trailers, oh, like, okay. like, like movies that don't look or feel like the game at all. I, we, we all know the type. B Blizzard's really good at this. Assassin's Creed Revelations, old Ezio to Wood Kids Iron. That is my favorite CG trailer, and I don't even like Assassin's Creed, and I don't like the game, but that trailer is fantastic. You guys remember that trailer? Where Ezio's climbing up like, uh, not Ezio, sorry, um, who's the other guy? Second one, the Italian. Starts out to be like a brandy teenager. Mario? <laughs> <laughs> Mario's an Assassin's Creed character. <laughs> Remember cousin Mario? He was a caretaker of your house when you show up. And what is his name? Oh, you fucking! Oh wait, it is it too? Assassin's Creed Revelations. Not a great game. Didn't don't really like Assassin's Creed, but the CG trailer of that where he's like fighting his way to the top of a mountain, then he's about to, he gets caught and he's about to be executed with the incredible song "Iron" by Woodkid is. Dope. So good. Uh, I always think about the Gears of War trailer. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. That was iconic. Yeah. So to speak. Dark Souls 2 CG trailer was good, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They mm, the Dark Souls intros and outros are always This was fantastic. specifically a trailer, though. I don't think it actually made it into the game. It was a CGI trailer that Namco Bandai made because they thought off the back of Dark Souls, that Dark Souls 2 was going to be the next hot shit as well. Didn't quite work out that way, but they put, pumped a lot of money into the marketing for that. Uh, I, I like it when the cinematic trailer that looks and feels nothing like the game is a little like story of its own that's kind of a side story mm. ancillary to the game. The Witcher has had three <gasps> great ones for all three yeah. Witcher games, where it's yeah. just like a side quest he's doing before the main quest begins. The Witcher 3 had like two really good ones. They're formulaic, like they're they're the hero doing badass quips before and after a fight scene. But at least compared to other stuff of this type, it seems like the fight scene isn't as much the infamous on these trailers. And yeah, Blizzard is also really famous for this stuff. Like I've never really seriously gotten into a Blizzard games, but I did actually feel the needle move and the excitement go up when Ooh, watching those cinematic trailers yeah. they put out. Oh, I remember watching the Warlords of Draenor World of Warcraft over like cinematic. Oh, that was really good. As a teenager, that shit hits you really hard. Yeah, some of the Overwatch stuff as well. It was a burning crusade for me. 
I played way too much Burning Crusade because I wanted to see. <laughs> I wanted to see if there was anything cool as, as was in the trailer. In those instances, though, they are. I would. They're not trailers, are they? They are like accompanying media content pieces, right? They are like episode mini episodes of TV that. Like the team, I think the team fortress meet the, meet the. Oh team, yeah. How did we right? forget about those? Yeah. Like they were like the first versions of oh, what became like God. these kind of things that you see. I mean, yesterday was the new apex legends character got one. Oh, and meet the spy is like a, a fa- yeah, it's a fantastic short film in its own right. Dude, meet the heavy. Holy shit. So good. No one outsmarts bullet. No one. No one outsmarts bullet. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So there's a lot of good examples of this and also a lot of bad examples. So I thought it would be fun to follow up with some of those bad ones. I'm going to start us off with an ironic twist because the game turned out to actually hit this, what was a glaringly obvious target render of Killzone 2 at E3 2005, where the character's gun like floated across the screen in a way that the cursor would not have been able to capture in a game. It, it looked like a cutscene throughout the whole way, except from a first person perspective with the gun at the bottom. And ultimately at the end of the process, I didn't know what to make of it. And if I was watching a cutscene or an actual gameplay demo, because no one, none of the other gameplay demos looked that good. The theory was that it was pre-rendered and it turned out to be pre-rendered, but the final game turned out to actually look close. Not bad. So there was an ironic twist of that. Other like famous bad examples, I I a lot of teaser trailers I feel don't age well. Like remember the original Cyberpunk 277 Underwear Girl? I do. Oh, in Dead Island. Dead You mean with the flying cars? Yeah, with the flying cars and the bullets like scraping her body and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. The, flying the cars. Dead Island mm-hmm. one, it was iconic. That was That's the famous example of cinematic trailers gone wrong. Really? Well, as a fantastic short film, yeah, but, you know, as something to do with selling the video game, no, it kind of backfired. Yeah, the video game sucked. I was surprised to see people expect the game to turn out like a thing that was more a short film than than anything that would have looked like how a game plays. Dead Island 2 had had another good one. It was fun. I don't know if people were as offended by it, though, based on the quality of the game, but remember the jogger? Wait, uh, did that game ever come out? Did it? Did it, come out? Did it actually get canceled? I don't think it got canceled. Because I totally remember that trailer. Yeah, the jogger, yeah. E3 2014 trailer. Okay, yeah, no, it seems like the one thing of it that does exist is a leaked build that evidently got out in 2020, and it was five years old at the time. Uh, yeah, Dead Island. Dead Island has, has two fun examples, then, of misleading trailers that got nice. a lot of production thrown in them for some reason. Nice noise oscar says hey guys i just finished hollow knight and i loved it but i had this weird feeling afterwards and kept thinking on it for several days why is it that games like hollow knight and dark souls with really challenging gameplay but sparse story hit those feelings more than a triple a game with a huge bombastic story thank you for a great podcast oscar triple a is garbage oscar's a cooler guy (laughs) maybe 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 video games (laughs) don't have fantastic stories and more more atmosphere and your brain creating the the whole experience your brain it's all in your brain it's your imagination maybe video games are real good at stimulating your imagination but real bad at trying to tell a traditional story through traditional means 
Yes. Atmosphere and tone make such a difference. Whatever's happening in your head is going to be cooler than whatever the video game cutscenes try to try to live up to. Whatever yeah. an NPC dialogue tells you is never going to hit you as hard as visually trying to connect dots that sparsely make any sense. But then when you get that tiny bit of information that either confirm or blow away theories you've had while playing, hot damn, that's going to stick with you. It's not easy to, to make a game feel like God of War. Like the, the new one. Like, and, and even that one had some like weird areas in the story. But it's very hard to, to deliver on that like epic story feel. Mm. Very hard. I, I have been unable to think of games the same way ever since seeing Greg Cassavan's GDC talk on Bastion and its narrative design and how that really like draws the line in my writing of, of what that word means and how his example was that the Resident Evil games tend to have excellent narratives where the story of you making your way through the mansions is way better than the story design they have of the hilariously badly acted cutscenes with characters whose motivations make no sense, villains who want to transform into a giant ugly monster that can only live for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the narrative <laughs> of Resident Evil, if you were to journal your journey from room to room, it would tell a fantastically paced story of subverted expectations and playing with classic genre tropes. It would be such a better piece of writing if you translated the gameplay of Resident Evil into a narrative than the actual whole story experience of Resident Evil into a... It's just like, um, you can have the same story lines, right? Imagine if you were playing a game where it was like, and he was the hero of all, changer of the world. You'd be like, oh, it's a typical JRPG starting, right? But imagine that unfolding sparsely over a couple of hours where you're piecing together information and you're like, wait a second. Am I the hero? Like, am I the the chosen one? Uh, you know, and oh, you're never aptly told, but the atmosphere leads to it, and Yo. it's same stories, but you know the way they are portrayed and told is very different. There's an old friend of mine who uh, got back in touch with me when he started playing through Morrowind, and this is a guy who doesn't regularly play video games, and Morrowind is ancient; it's horrifically aged at this point, and he's still having a blast and is like loving the way that the story hints at the greater implications of the cosmology of the universe rather than spelling it out towards you. And it does what you were describing, where it's like, are you the hero of the land or just some schmuck uh, being manipulated into the prophecy instead of actually being born into mm. the prophecy? Yeah. It's all in the implications and the subtleties. And, and video games are great at environmental storytelling and narrative design. And they are they are bad at trying to play a Oscar-winning movie in between your, your shooting gallery of... Uh, Kojima. That should have environmental storytelling and narrative design to it. Man, that was... That was good, good two ones. Um, Mr. Bubble says, What piece of software, unintended for game design, could you possibly interpret as a game engine? Um... Uh, MS Paint, I think, was used as the inspiration for a competitive uh, party painting game i saw at gdc excel haven't people actually made actual games with excel using the math formulas yeah because it's very powerful powerful tool set i'm glad i got to think of this question earlier because i have a very easy one and that is space engine what is that 
It is a digital planetarium that uses procedural generation to make a scale model of the entire darn universe. Hmm. Cool. And it's it's incredibly cool to the point where I would like consider it an important human experience. Like it. Yeah, but how can you change it to be interactive? The obvious <laughs> idea is a No Man's Sky type space exploration game where they uh, use the scale of it to hopefully a better. But can you actually engage with it? Like even with PowerPoint, you can actually have a user engage with it, right? So the tool is there for you to make something out of it that could be engaged, right? Is that not the question? So can you make stuff in this space software that if you gave it to someone else, they'd be able to experience something that you've created? There's like a custom ship maker in there somewhere, but the basic idea is still more in the generation of the space. And the planets and the scale it is able to to render at it a at a smooth smooth pace. Um, but yeah, I think there there there's also just a powerful interactive story to be made out of Space Engine, that that makes you feel small. It it really puts your your place in the universe in perspective when you zoom all the way out to the edge, and then you get the sense, the idea, the visualization that there may be an edge to the universe and maybe some sort of new mission to the human race for someone in some future generation to actually make it there thousands of years in the future, and it's inspiring. Space Engine's really inspiring and uh, deserves better than just being a, a space engine. That's cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are plenty of things out there that you can make interactive experiences with, for sure. Oh, Space Engine is is begging for a beautiful Carl Sagan playable cosmos edutainment uh, sort of interactive experience. You know, don't know, not a traditional video game with combat, but explore in space, in Space Engine. It's the dream. ASCII game FAQs. <laughs> Where where you have the art made out of the, the characters and symbols. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Text editors. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you're talking about the entire subculture there used to be on GameFAQs of, like, people painting concept art of Tifa for the first few paragraphs of their FF7 walkthroughs. Yeah. There, there was a little bit of a competitive scene going on there, wasn't there? Yeah. There you go. You can do anything. The universe is your oyster, kids. Just got to make enough money to pay for surgeries. <laughs> wow. <sighs> that's, uh, that's real and dark. <laughs> it's, been, it's been hard not to think about. Oh, boy. Oh, God. We, we started strong with spliffs, and we end yeah. on horrific surgeries. The crash. Burn. Join us next time as we (laughs) take you on an adventure through time and space. Train wreck your way through the universe. What if whatever post-human robot person actually makes it to the edge of the universe does it in in an actually wrecking train playing the Dad and Sons podcast on the way? Oh my god, imagine if there was an astronaut that did go into space with us. You know, maybe that's what they should turn Space Engine into. A game where you are the first astronaut to make it to the edge of the known universe and you have to listen to your favorite podcast, Dad and Sons, <gasps> an okay podcast the whole way there. All we have to do is convince Elon Musk to become a fan and then I'm sure that could become some form of reality. And you just hear like the echoes of space with a low pass filter. Boom, boom, boom.
Yeah, but if it's Elon Musk behind it, you know what he's going to end up doing is just insulting everyone else and taking their credit. Was that an alien? 